Welcome to Doc Talks, brought to you from NerdWorks Media. Oh, welcome back to Doc Talks, where I Doc Talk. So glad we are doing these again. Uh, episode 17 is now out, so uh, it took me a little bit longer than normal, but I had a lot of ums in that, and I didn't like them, so I had to cut a bunch out. I apologize. Welcome back, welcome back. We are still in our So You Want to Play D&D series, and we've talked a bunch of stuff. The last 18 episodes have been full of things, and then certain topics get talked about, and then we talk about them on the show. We're going through the classes now, and I'm kind of excited about this. Mike asked me to do them in alphabetical order, so we did last week. We talked about bards, and I would love to hear stories as we talk about these. If you've ever played one of these classes, and you played it differently than what people expect, the non-stereotypical, I love these stories, and to, to me, they, they're amazing. This week, we're going to move into clerics, and, and I'd like to add something to the show i'd like to add like a small bit at the beginning of uh bad advice those that know me know that i do this from time to time even on tiktok i've done um quite a few of the bad advices they always work out they're pretty funny and uh so as a caveat bad advice from doc on this show where i answer questions in the future about DD related questions and bad advice uh on them and I think it would be a lot of fun. Uh, I used to do it again on Twitter, and it was a blast, and I'd love to bring it back. Something happened this last week, and I wanted to talk about it. So to start, we're going to talk about this rumor going around that Jeremy Crawford basically said everything before D&D 5e is not canonical. And uh, I looked up the quotes, I looked up what he said, talked to people that I know, and uh, I just, I, I think it was taken a little out of context, so I just want to touch on it. It is true that everyone at Wizards of the Coast looks at everything, such as like old videos, comic books, novels, etc., as amazing stories and lore. But Watsy doesn't see them as canon or lore in this aspect. And when we talk about the battles or the lore and things that happened, the books are one of the stories. Uh, there was a bit of an uproar about this. I was just watching it. They're not getting rid of lore and mythology of Dungeons and Dragons. They're saying that details of such events are non-canonical. From the people that I talk to who work there, uh, it's about each DM and their tables having a unique game in what is happening in the world. It's about the table, the unique game of the table, the the story being suited for the group at the table rather than it being canon. But I, I want to remind you of one thing. It's very important, no matter what is said. Your table, if you play there, it's okay to use them in your game if that's what you, the players, or the DM want. Jeremy Crawford is the lead game designer for the rules of D&D. He is not D&D Jesus. And so even if he did say what everybody thought he did, it doesn't mean you have to do what he says. 
if you ask Jeremy Crawford about his sage advice and asking about all the stuff that he does or even the things that he says, he'll tell you that every table is different, that everybody needs to understand it and enjoy the game that's at their table. This game is designed to be played differently depending on interpretations of the rules or moving the rules around to make a game. It it, it is what it was designed for. It was a guideline, not a policy, if you know what I mean. Um, It's not, it's an interpretation of their rules, not just the one rule set. I I know that others in Watsy and even Jeremy just want us all to enjoy our games and enjoy the game that pretty much they've given us. And there really isn't a lot more to that. That's the end result of what was happening there. So before we start talking about that or getting on our high horses, I think that we create drama where there is no drama. Go and look what uh, Jeremy Crawford said in that interview and what he was talking about to make you understand that just because a book had a war or battle go differently doesn't mean that What he's trying to say is you can play it at your table and have a totally different outcome, and it doesn't matter. We are going to jump into clerics, and I've realized that clerics recently have had some controversy, and I'm going to settle the controversy for all the tables right now. Every DM, every table is different. (laughs) Period. Each of you, you're there to tell a collective story. That's what D&D is about, a game to tell a story. As long as how you play does not affect the lore that the DM is guiding you through or the way others want to play their character, you do you. And, and, and it's just a matter of bringing it up to the table. The rules in D&D are available for movement, ability. They're not designed to tell a dungeon master or even players what to do. Uh, instead, they give everyone a guideline to build their games. You do not think that these are just policies. They do not have to be played by the rules. I'm sorry, rules lawyers, but it's true. You don't have to. And that's kind of where it ends. There's nothing else I can contribute to that. I'm, I'm not going to defend or one one side or the other because there is no sides. It's whatever your game wants to play. I hope... Whatever it is that you're having fun at your games. We're going to jump into clerics. And clerics are really diverse. I have a feeling I'm not going to be able to make through all the clerics tonight. So there's a ton of choices and a ton of different ways to play clerics. They're very diverse. Outside of, and I even think above bards, they're more diverse. There's more you could do with clerics. I think the range is broader with bards than it is with clerics, but clerics are definitely a very diverse choice. They have similarities where they feel the same, but once you get moving, everything feels so much different, and each different cleric is that much different. More so than I think a lot of the other classes. Uh, They draw on holy power from the positive energy plane, This is where their power comes from, the divine energy, because they're divine. Long time ago, a long time, we've been doing this, this is the 18th episode. Episodes earlier, we talked about different kinds of casters. We touched on what a divine caster is. And, And please, go back and look. I think I labeled them good enough. If not, let me know. That positive energy plane 
there's a couple things you, you should know about it before we jump into it. And that is that the positive energy plane 100% will kill a mortal being who drops in there. You cannot, as a cleric, a paladin, anybody in, that uses the divine or positive energy plane, cannot just jump in there. You can't just poof and say hello. These things are not going to happen. With certain precautions, obviously you can get there. Clerics, again, as long as as well as the other ones I talked about, can draw the powers from there. But uh, you won't last long there, I should say. And and there's ways around that. There's a different kinds of magic. You can definitely do a campaign in the positive energy plane. But the positive, just like the negative energy planes, are definitely intended to kill mortals. Clerics draw not only on spells, divine energy however you play them, but the book specifically talks about the gods and, and stuff like that. Even though there's parts of the book that tell you don't need a god, and that's fine, again, talk to your table. But I'm going to specifically just go to the generalized clerics worshipping a god or being chosen by a god, and, and those are different how you want to play them when it comes to role-playing. And I will say that both are very cool. One is not better than the other, and, and even not serving a god is another one as well. They don't just use these spells. They also have martial prowess. They wear armor. We did an all D&D, or an all cleric party, when D&D 5A first came out. And it worked out so well. Four players, all of us different domains. It was a good time. That was our one rule. We all had to be different domains. It didn't matter. And it was a lot of fun. Because there's so many different out there we're gonna set a precedence here and i try to usually i stay within the books of watsi mostly i'll talk about stuff outside of it from time to time this one we have to stay in it and there's a reason the ones on in the books from from wizards of the codes from watsi have the domains of arcana death forge grave knowledge life light nature order peace Tempest, Trickery, Twilight, and War. Fourteen just in the books. And as we go through these, we're going to look at some of the things that they have that's different. Um, what each of them offer as you go through them. We're going to start with the Arcana Domain because we're going to go in alphabetical order. Even though... 2014, D&D 5e was released. 2015, the Storm Coast Adventure Guide was released. And we find the Arcana Domain on page 125 there, if I remember right. I know it's deeper in the book. If I'm not right, I'm close. I gotta be. So the Arcana Cleric borrows some options. It's like a wizard-cleric combination without having to multi-class and, and lose the ability to go up those levels. Um... Great utility players, great support options, and they give you really cool offensive options as well. We know that you get access to wizard cantrips, which is huge. Even though it's um, a limited number of what you can, it's still kind of neat. I mean, let's just get honest. When it comes to damaging cleric-based cantrips, right, we have the ones that are like hit or miss, and this just opens it up to different possibilities and not just one, what's the joke about warlocks? You know, it's what's what are you going to say? Eldritch Blast? Your spells that you get assigned are 
different as well. And just remember that those don't count against your spells known list. Those are extras. So you never have to change them out. But they don't count towards switch outs. You can't change them. They're just what you get. That's all dependent on your DM and your table, but rules is written. That's where it is. Let's talk about some of the domain spells. So at first level, detect magic, which is one of many, but is a low-level spell. This one is amazing for a lot of reasons. Many people use detect magic just to try to figure out if items are magic what they're looking at, but sometimes they give away of more powerful beings. And as a first-level spell... And, and anybody who's played a caster knows as you go on your first level spells you have a lot of them and you're not really using them they're, they've been minimized at that point so when you use your first level spell slot to cast detect magic can be the difference in the game even though I mean it's a ritual so you, you could do it without for the loot but you could also use it in combat situations also magic missile probably one of the most underrated spells in D&D. The always hit, no matter what spell. Reliable damage, always doing something. There's you know, no saves, no nothing. One item, the, the brooch, that stops them. At third level, you get the magic weapon. Magic weapon's good. This is about overcoming resistance. It also adds some flavor and role-playing to the game. And it's an interesting spell in and of itself. If I remember right, it requires concentration. i got to look that back up. And as a cleric, it's really going to be difficult because there's a lot of options when it comes to... There's a lot of them that are constitution, or I mean uh, concentration. Of course, fifth level, the Dispel Magic, Magic Circle. Even though Magic Circle is more situational, it's amazing, it's a lot of fun, and there's a lot of stuff you can do outside of combat with it. And, and as well as Dispel Magic for Magic Trap, stuff like that. If you get up high enough, then you get into the Arcane Eye, uh, which is pretty good. Um, Secret Chest, um, have some fun with it. I like it. It, It's interesting. Ninth level with the Planar Bindings and Teleportation Circles, obviously. One of the things this does is, at first level, you get that Arcane Initiate, right? The free skill, the two cantrips. And again, Wizards have the most diverse set of options that you can find. I prefer having digitation, but I will find a way for my cleric to use whatever spell that I have. A lot of fun, and there's just a lot of options, so have that in mind as well. Your channel divinity is your uh, arcane abjuration. When you're talking about fighting things like celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, it depends on what you got going on, but sometimes in some campaigns that's really necessary. Sixth level is the spell breaker. It's not the best, but it does help you raise spells. Potent spellcaster, arcane mastery, all these are awesome, especially using the arcane with the wizard cantrips or whatever you choose to spell, or even your normal cantrips as a cleric. There's so much to it, but the wizard cleric, the cleric of magic, if you will, is a great addition to a storyline that a lot of clerics don't have that ability to touch on. And magic is the unique thing in this world. It's the one thing that we don't have. And so when you speak of magic and worshipping magic, 
they go hand in hand. You guys heard me talk about Death Domain, and I don't know if a lot of you guys seen this because it's actually found in the Dungeon Master Guide. Normally, evil PCs, and I do the air quotes because in my campaigns, I'm not big on alignments. I want you to have it in case a spell or situational creature or something of that type affects you in that, but it's not necessarily that. It, and again, it is in the Dungeon Master Guide, so a lot of players haven't seen it. I'm not going to tell you what you need to worship on anything, even though this one is specifically designed, I think, just right off the bat, because they were trying to stay with the alignments of the time, uh, for an evil cleric of some kind. I don't encourage that, since the game of D&D, and, and your table might be different, but I'm going to generalize this, is so that you are the savior or the adventurer, you know, the people going around helping people. Uh, heroes, if you will. I'm not going to stop anybody from playing a Death Cleric. I'd want to play a Death Cleric. I, I will be honest, I haven't yet. Mostly because uh, I was looking at... I'm a big person on like what the domain does for me role-playing-wise. And is it helpful in combat? I, I look at both. I'm more story-oriented story oriented when I'm looking through this stuff. Um, probably more than most people are. And it's just how I think. There are a lot of good options in the domain spells though, right? Like so first level is the ray of sickness, false life. Both of these are amazing. Uh third level I didn't write them down. All I remember the they uh their effects and they lasted and the repeated saves thing can always run into that, but sometimes buying a round is saving the game. Everything usually comes down to one round, one hit point sometimes. At fifth level, animate dead is always fun, period. Um and vampiric touch is a great way to um combine your damage into some kind of healing. As you get to 7th and ninth level spells, you look at Blight, Death Ward. Death Ward is a saving grace in D&D, period. In ninth level, you get the Anti-Life Shell, Cloud Kill. Both of these, all of these, have some amazing experiences. Um, at first level, though, martial weapons are always nice. The simple weapons are cool, and they fall into the... The blinder stereotype of D&D clerics that we think of carrying around hammers or maces and stuff like that. Or long swords even. But since clerics never really get an extra attack, you know, you, you do you is what I'm going to say on that. I know what I would do, but it is kind of what it is. At first level you get Reaper. There's not many necromancy cantrips though, and um, some of them are already on the cleric spell list. Choose wisely a lot of the cleric spell lists are touch or closer find something with range open it up a little bit diversify your portfolio as a cleric uh the channel divinity of death touch touch of death not death touch not a lot of damage but nice damage boost it's an interesting i, I like the channel divinity options because like i said it's the one thing that feels the same for every class and it's the one thing that really separates every class and these little effects usually make or break what you're choosing to do. At 6th level, you get inescapable destruction. 
the, these are going to all come down to and, and use them. Let me know how you do these differently. But in my head, it's probably because, like, toll the dead, right? Immunity is always going to be an issue when it comes to stuff like this. But Cleric know about these immunities, and even if they do, I know enough about the Monster Manual and the other monsters to know that it's not always... It's it's not a big deal thing. It's a hard thing to run across is where I'm coming with on that. Divine Strike is pretty cool. It it helps when you when you find the people that are resistant or immune to necrotic damage. And and it has awesome implications on it. And then if you ever make it to level seventeen, the improved Reaper uh with the more powerful necromancy skills, it it's centered around death and you don't need to be evil for that i know people that deal with death all the time that are some of the nicest people why doesn't that translate over to this probably because it's a game and they were just trying to focus on that and give options for the people that wanted to be more focused on that but this gives us options in general death is a really cool one and if you've never even heard of it before ask your dungeon master or even your table, if you can play something in that and try it out if you get a chance. So the next one is Forge Domain. And a lot of people that I play with love the Forge Domain. Mostly because when it comes to battle and what you can do in battle, outside of the cool aspects it gives you for roleplay, there's a lot to this. When you, Especially when you talk about like domain, spe- uh, domain spells. So identify, useful always useful period is always useful searing smite is pretty cool uh, normally the the paladins have the hold of smite but now you have it heat metal can't tell you how many times especially in older versions of D, heat metal have been the the difference between winning and losing you have blessing of the forge so magic weapon seems very redundant but we'll get to that that's a first level thing that happens Again, magic weapon, if I'm not mistaken, you don't have to do it to your weapon. It's a weapon, and you can do it and concentrate. But again, you're eating up that concentration economy. And when it comes to cleric spells, there's quite a few of them. When you get further along, elemental weapon, really cool, even though it kind of gets rid of the magic weapon thing. Uh, Protection from energy. Can't tell you how many times that has been a change in a game. I, I don't know. Forge Domain to me has a very cool, re, not redundant avenue, but uh, uh, giving you options for almost the same thing. First off, Forge is one of those that gives you options to heavy armor. And I don't care what you're playing. Heavy armor outside of rogues is going to be amazing and help you be more frontline. When we talk about classic... Dungeons and Dragons, we know that we have a healer, and we have a tank, and we have DPS, and we have support, and we have all these things. When you really get down and play, and you get to like three and four person parties, or you get to a party where I don't want to do whatever, insert here. Having people that are multifunctional helps out a ton. Again, Blessing of the Forge, put that plus one weapon on a permanent basis. It's really cool, especially in, in D&D 5e, you don't need magic items. It's just made that way. If you find yourself at a table with the DM who doesn't give away too many magical items, even though magic weapons are kind of needed around 
third to fifth level of some kind. It's a unique thing that goes into the game. But Dungeons and Dragons in and of itself is designed where you don't need a lot of magic items. People are always trying to give away magic items. DM tip. One of the biggest mistakes a lot of DMs make are giving away a lot of or strong magic items early on. Just don't do it. Uh, your channel divinity is the artisan's blessing here. Making things. I, I, I don't know how so many things that you could need ladders just so much this is a role play but also situational spell that does so much for you and you don't lose a turn on dead you gain this as well you just gotta choose because you only have so many channel divinities at sixth level you get the soul of the forge who doesn't like damage resistance right? having a fixed bonus to ac is different i should talk about that later on yeah, we, we don't need to do that today. Divine Strike, again, the people I've read about divine, the Divine Strike for Forge, and one of the biggest complaints is, well, fire is the most resistant type of damage. Who cares? Extra damage is extra damage. And again, remember what I told you. I have been in so many battles in D&D that sometimes one hit point is the difference. It makes all of the difference. If you get to level 17... Saint of Forge and Fire, I'm not even going to ruin it for you, is an amazing ability if you guys get that far. You also look at that as somebody who worships the Forge. A lot of the belief of dwarves in the uh, mythology of D&D, this would be amazing for that, but it doesn't have to be. Anybody who does blacksmithing work, at least the people I've talked to, talk about in real life, how blacksmithing is an amazing experience, a, a spiritual experience in most cases. Especially when you look at people like who used to make swords when those were the weapons and, and the big designers of swords, the ones that make the best ones. There is so much you could do for the role play with this where your prayer, your church could be just using forges. And talk to your DM. Maybe it does something. Maybe that blesses the forge when you use it or something along the lines of that. Have a lot of fun with that. But amazing mechanically and amazing for role-playing is always a A-plus in my book. The Grave Domain Cleric. We've seen this if we've watched any Critical Role or a lot of stuff. A lot of people have done the Grave Domain. Um, this can be found in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. And a um, little bit of healing, a little bit of damage. This is a support cleric at its best. It's balanced between the offensive and healing really well, but the abilities can change the tide in combat. Um, we looked through some of the domain spells. Let's just hit some of them. False life for the temporary hit points is always good. Um, it, early on. And when you go on, those ones are probably not going to be the best. But again, I can't emphasize on how many times a single hit point is the difference between winning or losing in D&D. You know, you go on 5th level, Revivify is just what it is. I always have them on my clerics until i get higher or even keep them on there and again it has the vampiric touch by it could be life-saving again with that switch off from the damage to the healing anti-life shell 
raise dead. It depends on what you're doing. And again, if you look up like people's opinion about some of these classes, what they think about clerics when they think of clerics, who cares? And again, if you're still playing it as a strategy war game, which is what it was designed for, then you're going to look into what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what's good later on, etc. But the opinions of other people when it comes to playability, role play, being part of the world, the immersion, these are more important than anything else. And I don't know, it's just, to me, one of those amazing things in D&D is the versatility and it all comes down to what kind of DM you're playing with more than the choices you have for your character. Uh, you at the beginning get the circle of morta mortality. I, I have hit or miss. Here's my problem with it. It's designed that pretty much like let your teammate go all the way down then heal them does more than if they're up. And so it it's a good thing because it gives that cleric other things to think about, but it's a bad thing because it just changes up the fight in such a way that somebody, I, I don't know, I, I like the trying to keep them up, but I'm also the DM who wants to roll death saves and not tell you what's going on to see how you respond. So, Eyes of the Grave, of course, to detect evil cleric spell list. I like it. I like it a lot. I like it for playability. The Channel Divinity Path of the Grave especially with high damage spells that require attacks. I like it a lot, and for combat, it's great. For everything else, it's not, you know, that it doesn't have a lot of roleplay ability, but for in-combat damages with, like, rogues at higher levels, etc., anybody with high damage spells, it it is so amazing. If you get higher, you get to the sixth level, right? Critical hits on your allies... You, you stop them. This is a game changer. This is what I'm talking about when it comes to this. Sentinel at Death's Door is awesome and is a changing point when you can take away the the critical hit on somebody. Eighth level gets a, the potent spell casting again. It's a great boost to damage. Always, always a great boost to damage. I think this one specifically is only the cantrips, but again, it depends on which ones you're choosing. Look up everything and think outside of combat, and it will help you with it. And if you get to 17th level, Keeper of Souls, it's nice. It's it's not going to be game-changing. It's enough because, again, remember, each hit point makes a difference. We're finally going to get to the first one in the PHB, which is Knowledge Domain. And I don't think I can do this in seven minutes. So what I'm going to do is just stop there and talk about playing clerics. A lot of fun. And they can be for everything. There's clerics, like I said, the diversity of clerics allows you to do anything. So no matter what you're doing, if you're starting a thieves guild, starting an assassin's guild, starting a bounty hunter guild, being part of a church, traveling around, no matter what the story is, clerics are very diverse. Where I think bards are the most lethal class, and I know people would argue with me on that. They just, I feel like they are because of everything that they can do inside of battle alone is deadly and and the fact that everybody feels like they have to play it like a stereotypical way i hate i love the players that i've played with because i haven't seen that with any of them thank god it would be more annoying than anything else i don't think it's even funny it's the things that are funny at the table still monty python jokes period 
Um, I don't encourage it, but they are. You don't have to be a healer to be a cleric. I said it earlier, you don't even have to worship a god, but that's dependent on the lore that's being played with your DM. And so keep those things in mind when you're thinking about your cleric, and never surprise your DM with a character. I know there's a lot of DMs out there that are like, oh, do this and build your character and whatever, and even to the point where we don't even talk about approvals anymore within D&D, which is, I guess, fine. It just feels like a lazy way. I have a world in my head, especially me as somebody who homebrews and people come in and play, and they don't understand the whole world. I want them to have all their options, but more importantly, I want them to be immersed in the world. I have a lot of cool things in my world. I don't need your character to be part of them. Your family could be part of them. In a couple of weeks, our special project is going to get started. You can come into the Discord and uh, ask about that. Clerics are amazing. Next week, I will start with Knowledge Clerics, and we'll go on. It'll be Clerics Part 2. Remember that this is a game, and I want to encourage everybody not to make drama. (laughs) If your table, or you don't know anybody specifically who's affected by something, don't spread the hate. Spread the love. Stop telling people what they can't do in the game. Explain to them what they can do. DM, stop being lazy and immerse your players. Get them involved. Have them be a part of your world, no matter what it is. Even if they can't add something to it, there's always that person that wants to be a first for something. We can do better as a community. And from what I've seen in social media, we've been lacking lately, but we can do better. It's who we are. From everybody at NerdWorks Media, myself, Doc, to all of you, again, thank you for stopping by. I'd like you to remember to keep it nerdy and live your dreams. Later! This has been a NerdWorks production.